This week on the podcast, a statement from the company behind Indosiren, the liverboard after the fire last week, plans for a new deep diving pool in the US, a pair of manatees are to be released from a theme park, and UK divers have discovered the deepest evidence for coral bleaching at 90 metres underwater. So last week, as I was recording the podcast, there was some breaking news that a liverboard, the Indosiren, um, was ablaze, and there was very little information about it um, but since then of course we've had a, uh, a press statement the Indosiren has been destroyed uh, completely by a fire during a cruise around Raja Ampat uh, thankfully all of the guests and the crew were safely evacuated the blaze broke out on the morning of the 30th of November and photographs and video from the scene show the vessel being gutted by the fire a, a statement from Master Liverboards said during our current cruise in Raja Ampat on the morning of the 30th of November, a fire broke out on Indosiren. At the current time, we are still assessing the events around the incident and will be working with authorities, so cannot currently comment further. All guests and staff departed the boat without further incident. They are now with our ground crew who have organised accommodations while we assist with all their other needs going forwards. We are currently evaluating the issues created by the fire on upcoming trips. Guests who are likely to be affected by enforced cancellation or changes will be contacted in due when plans are finalised. We are incredibly grateful that this incident was not more serious and that everyone who was on board, both crew and guests, are safe and well. So obviously, if you have a, um, a dive trip booked on Indosiren, um, that's now been cancelled and I presume that, uh, that Master Liverpools have been in contact. And um, yeah, time will tell what, um, what will happen going forwards. Uh, luckily, nobody was hurt. Um, I think everybody was out on a dive, uh, or at least all of the guests were out on a dive when the uh, when the fire broke out. It was the first dive of the day, so everyone was away from it. Uh, unfortunately, all of their belongings, apart from their diving equipment that they were wearing, was destroyed. Um, but now they have to go through the uh, the repatriation procedures to um, to talk to uh, like local embassies and stuff and get temporary passports or whatever's involved. Such a shame because it was such a beautiful. Uh, liverboard. It was a, a wooden hull liverboard, uh, which of course went up um, sort of very easily. And um, uh, it was it was sails as well. They had the uh, the big blue um, sails. Um, so awful, awful news. Um, but yeah, luckily nobody was injured. News coming out of the US that adaptive scuba diving organization DiveHeart has announced it's building the world's deepest warm water therapy pool. Uh, this is planned to be a zero net project and it's targeting a spot in the northern suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, after securing the second of two patents on the deep pool design earlier this year, the DiveHeart management team decided to reveal the pool's design and kick off a major fundraising campaign in 2024. According to the DiveHeart executive director, there are many great types of therapy, but in scuba diving, we have the franchise on zero gravity. It's thrilling to help get someone out of their wheelchair and standing up underwater for the first time since their injury or maybe for the first time in their lives yeah i did a little bit of work with um some disabled divers and um and it is nice to see how some of them you don't have to um like 
oh, I can't remember the uh, the phrase, but you don't have to be like overly gentle with some of them. Um, granted, this chap was, uh, I think he was a former um, para. Uh, he, he was in the parachute regiment. And, and we were like, oh, okay, so... As, as far as logistics of getting you in the water, he's like, oh, just take a running start and just hit me in. We're like, okay, we're not going to do that, but um, we, we're hopefully going to do this. Diveheart's deep pool will provide a way to scale up and help many more people enjoy the benefits of underwater zero gravity in a confined and safe, warm water environment. The pool will be a worldwide destination for research, rehabilitation, education, training, and will provide vocational opportunities as well. We've seen plenty of these products um some that haven't uh, come to fruition uh, some that have we've got a few deep water pools we've uh, started with like nemo 33 then there's one in italy uh, now we have uh, uh, what is it deep dive dubai uh, which is currently the uh, the deepest um uh, indoor diving pool uh, i think it's like 61 meters i believe the dive heart pool um does have a plan to go down to similar like technical depths um but there's a, a statement on this article that says uh it will meet this need if the organization meets its fundraising goals um so it's quite dependent on um, how their their fundraiser goes uh but yeah uh, it's nice to see another um another in indoor diving pool it's a different kind of dive diving uh in a indoor deep pool uh you kind of are just especially when you're going to the the deeper depths you are just diving in a tunnel basically um but if it's like deep dive dubai and whatnot they have a few things to uh, to actually look at uh in the uh, in the shallower depths and um yeah there's hopefully going to be one over in the states uh if um if this goes forwards so uh yeah just keep um keep an eye on them I'll uh, I'll try and keep an eye on them. Uh, dive heart and uh, and hopefully they'll um, they'll get their funding and there'll be a new uh, deep swimming pool uh, or deep diving pool uh, out in the US. Two manatees that have spent nearly a lifetime in captivity are due to be freed from a controversial Florida theme park after an advocacy group posted aerial footage of one of them just swimming alone in a very filthy pool, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture issued a scathing inspection report. So the manatees are named Romeo and Juliet, and they're 67 and 61 years old respectively, and they've lived at the Miami Sea Aquarium since they were captured from the wilds as calves in 1956 that's quite sad uh, according to the u.s fish and wildlife service the manatees will be relocated quote very soon the move comes after urgent seas posted drone footage of romeo swimming alone in a dirty pool that appeared to be isolated away from the public on the 25th of november this came on the back of a critical report from the u.s department of agriculture in september which accused the seaquarium of multiple failures citing that marine enclosures had fallen into states of disrepair and that there was inadequate handling or control of animals so it is almost like they just kind of neglected it because no one was interested anymore um this is not the first time that the Miami Seaquarium has been at the center of a media storm. Uh, back in October, 
Our sister website DiverNet reported on how the facility had been accused of reneging on an undertaking to return to the ocean a male dolphin that was the former tank mate of the killer whale Lolita, uh, which itself tragically died in August before the Seaquarium could make good on its pledge to return the animal to the wild. Uh, so it's nice that the, um, the the big guns, as it were, the uh, the Department of Agriculture and uh, and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service have kind of taken. Uh, taking it on themselves and like you know what you can't be trusted with these things anymore we're just going to take them away from you and uh, and release them um or at least relocate them uh don't really know what or where they're specifically going uh but at least anywhere is uh, is better when they are currently UK scientists have discovered the deepest known evidence of coral reef bleaching at depths of around 90 metres at two atoll sites in the Indian Ocean's uh, Chagos archipelago. Mesophotic corals um, are usually found between 30 and 150 metres deep. Uh, it's not just shallow water. We do get coral reefs quite deep down. And they'd previously been thought to be immune to ocean warming and uh, because they live so far down. But divers have discovered that damage... Um, is uh, these these corals are being bleached, and the damage at depth is attributed to a thirty percent temperature rise caused by an in- irregular uh, oscillation of sea surface temperatures. Uh, that's a fun sentence to quote. Um, it's known as the Indian Ocean Dipole. Uh, or Indian Nino, multidisciplinary researchers from the University of Plymouth found that this had harmed up to 80% of the reefs in parts of the seabed. Associate Professor in Physical Oceanography Philip Hosgood said there are no two ways about it. This is a huge surprise. Deeper corals had always been thought of as being resilient to ocean warming because the waters they inhabit are cooler than at the surface and were believed to remain relatively stable. However, that is clearly not the case, and as a result, there are likely to be reefs at similar depths all over the world that are at threat from similar climate changes. The first evidence of deep bleaching was picked up four years ago by an ROV-mounted camera on the team's research vessel where bleaching had occurred at depth. However, no such damage had been caused to shallower reefs in the area. Subsequent data collection combined with that from satellite monitoring ocean conditions highlighted that over a period in which temperatures at the surface had barely changed, those beneath the surface had climbed from 22 degrees Celsius to 29 degrees Celsius. The lead author of the paper, Clara Diaz, said what we've recorded categorically demonstrates that this bleaching was caused by a deepening of the thermocline. This is down to the regional equivalent of an El Nino and due to climate changes, these cycles of variability are becoming amplified. Moving forwards, bleaching in the deeper ocean here and elsewhere will likely become more regular. Uh, So that's just sad to hear. Um... Granted, most divers are never going to see these corals because they're so deep down. However, it's just one of those things you don't like to hear it. The researchers uh, returned to the same parts of the atoll in 2020 and 2022 um, to sort of check on how it was doing. And they found that large parts of the uh, the deep reef had recovered, uh, which is quite nice to see. Uh, the oceanography 
of a region is impacted by naturally occurring cycles that are becoming amplified by climate change, said Hosgood. Uh, currently, the region is suffering similar, if not worse, impacts due to the combined influence of El Nino and the Indian Ocean Dipole. While there is no way that we can stop the thermocline from deepening, what we can do is expand our understanding of the impacts that these changes will have throughout these environments, of which we still have little knowledge, uh, in the face of fast-paced global change that has never been more urgent. The study is published in Nature Communications, if you want to check it out, and it's just one of these news stories that you keep seeing, and... um, it's happening all around the world and it is a real thing, but it is encouraging to see that um, like when, when they're checking on it periodically um, that there were signs of recovery. And that was pretty much it as far as diving news, as well as new diving equipment. Um, it, it's definitely getting into the, the, the quiet season. Uh, we're not really seeing anything new on dive websites. They're, um, they're changing to their like Christmas gift idea um, things which kind of makes sense i've done a christmas gift idea uh video that just went live on uh, on saturday this weekend um but yeah uh, it's pretty quiet as far as new dive equipment so i'm just going to dive straight into uh, some ask mark questions over the previous week uh so the first one catch bay uh why choose something other than a sheer water or a garmin dive computer hashtag ask mark um yeah I mean, we, we do need some kind of variety out there. Um, we can't just have like two or, God forbid, one um, like dive computer brand because then that's a bit of a monopoly. Uh, so it is nice to have some kind of variety. And some divers do prefer um, some other brands. Uh, Shearwater or Garmin, I would be very happy diving with uh, nothing but one or both of those Um for the uh, for the foreseeable future yeah shearwater shearwater have a great reputation um they worked very hard to make some really really stellar dive computers and their customer services um the the user interaction um inside the uh, the computer is just that they're really really nice dive computers and yeah garmin uh, the the giant have uh, have just kind of stamped in and it's really hard to compare dive computers nowadays when you have something like Garmin's hanging around with their huge battery lives, uh, all of their additional features, all of their surface wear, all the different, um, uh, what you call it, like sensors on the inside. You've got the heart rate monitor and uh, and all that kind of stuff, the pedometer and the, the compass and all clever stuff, wireless air integration on uh, on some of their models. So, yeah, it, it is really hard. That I mean, the... The kind of the saving grace, as it were, for um, for some of the other brands is that the Garmin computers uh, and to a certain extent the the Shearwater are still seen as quite premium brands. They're fairly expensive when you compare them to uh, to some others. Um, so if they did release a like budget descent uh, or a um, uh, I mean, Shearwater are kind of doing that. They released the uh, the Peregrine. They've got the Turn that's coming out, which are aimed more at recreational divers than the um, uh, the Terek and the Perdix. So um, yeah, they're they're kind of dabbling in that uh, like entry level dive computer market. Uh, if Garmin did it as well, yeah, that they, they would be uh, definitely hard to beat. Jonathan Ventresca 
says, hey, just wondering which BCD you think is better. Uh, the Scuba Pro Hydros Pro or the Atomic BC2 both seem amazing. Just wondering if you think one has the edge. Um, I Yeah, as you said, they're, they're both great BCDs. They're very premium BCDs. Uh, Hydros Pro, Hydros Pro is a, um, a wing-style BCD, but it's very different. Instead of using like a nylon cordura material, like most other BCDs, it uses the same monoprene as their um, as some of their fins. So that's quite clever. In that one, it dries almost instantly as soon as you get out of the water. Most of your BCD is completely dry. The wing is still a, a traditional material, or at least parts of it are a, a traditional material but the harness the back plate has this monoprene covering to it which is uh, which is pretty clever does make it a little bit heavy so uh, if you're really trying to go as lightweight as possible um, then it kind of rules out the the hydros pro because it's a bit of a heavy weight uh, it's not ridiculously heavy but there are a lot lighter bcds out there the uh, the monoprene is also quite grippy which is quite nice. So when it's on, it kind of clings to you. So the BCD and your cylinder and everything kind of move with you. Whereas with like some material, you can get a little bit of that kind of shuffle where the cylinder takes a moment to uh, to catch up. Um, so you don't get that on the the Hydros Pro. It's also quite modular, which is nice. Um, if parts of it break or you want to add or remove. A certain pocket or pouch uh it's quite modular which is nice uh the uh, the bc2 atomic aquatics are like the premium uh like diving brand so everything is as like fancy as it can be um again similar to the hydros pro uh, but in a different way instead of using traditional uh like cordura material where like salt crystals or at least salt can um, can absorb into the material and then as it dries it forms crystals um or like contaminants if you're diving in like nasty water uh they can get into that cold um cordura like material but the bc2 uses a laminated material similar to um like psd public service diving bcds so it's like hydrophobic so again, uh, similar to uh, to the Hydros Pro, but in just in a different way, nothing can soak into it. Uh, even the bladder, the entire um, wing is completely um, laminated in this material. So it's very hard for any contaminants or salt to uh, to penetrate into the BC2. Um, and just the little things, the, um, the D-rings have like a titanium coating, which is pretty snazzy. Uh, the cam band on the back, it's taken inspiration from snowboard bindings and it's very quick and easy just to, there's like a, a ratchet strap to quickly adjust it and then you clamp it down instead of having to thread your cam band through and then readjust it uh, to get it to like just the right tightness. It's just going to zip, clamp and that's it. Uh, very quick and easy. One thing about BC2 is that you don't get a um, an inflator as standard um, on like every other BCD that I know, um, yeah, you just get a, um, a, a standard inflator that comes with it. Sometimes you get a choice. You can upgrade to uh, to like a, an integrated inflator. So it has a little second stage built into it. So you can use it as an octo. But with the BC2, you have a choice of three 
um, and they they literally screw on and unscrew, so it's very quick and easy to uh, to remove your uh, your inflator, which is quite a nice feature, especially to um, uh, to wash out and dry out your uh, your BCD between dives. Um, but you do get a standard inflator, and when I say standard, it's it's not standard like any other inflator. It's it's built to like the quality of a second stage, um, so very nice. Uh, but it has um, like stainless steel parts in it. There's an upgrade to that which uses titanium parts, but it's still a uh, a standard style uh, two button inflator. Or you have there is called the SS one, um, so you can have that second stage built into your inflator uh i mean which is better it, it depends on the diver and uh, and what you're diving but uh, as far as like specifications and features and things the bc2 is technically better um but it, it's very much like personal preference uh again it's not particularly light um it's yeah personal choice but yeah the the bc2 is probably better technically um which one i would choose personally i'd probably go for the scuba pro um just because i don't know i always feel diving with those those kind of premium products you, you don't want to get it dirty um and i'd be i'd be like forever worried about it whereas the uh, the scuba pro granted it's not the, the, a cheap bcd but i'd i'd be a bit more rough and tumble with it William McDermott uh, asks, my dive master insists that my hose must be removed from my BCD inflator hose um, after each dive. I like to have it on and just hang everything up together. Why not? Uh, so leaving your BCD uh, low pressure inflator hose attached onto your inflator. Uh, I mean, my first thoughts go to you're leaving your Schrader valve open on that hose. Um but it should be protected by the inflate valve on your uh, on your inflator. Uh, I mean, that's the only place where my mind goes. But also, like full damage, uh, if if your BCD falls off of the hanger or whatever you're hanging up with, uh, then your regulators are coming as well, which are more likely to break. Uh, but yeah, my first thoughts are like water ingress because if you're washing it together uh unpressurized if you leave it connected and you press the inflate button then water could find its way into the hose and then into the first stage um which is bad but i mean that's a similar reason why you never press the purge button on your second stage when you're washing your uh, your dive equipments after a dive depressurized because then water can get into the hose um but that's that's the only thing that i can think of um is that yeah it's holding that schrader valve open in the hose otherwise i can't think of too many other reasons why it's a, a bad thing uh but yeah, it's just nice to break down your equipment and uh, and organize it. But that's where my mind goes. Rancid's channel uh, says this is going to be another question. Uh, I was wondering about earplugs, as I thought they would block the ear. Thus, how on earth would you equalize if you wore plugs? Yep. Uh, but I see they are vented. So that kind of answers that question. Uh, what are other ways of equalizing without pinching your nose? Uh, yeah, there are plenty of ways of um, of equalizing without. Well, I mean, I say plenty. There's a few uh, a few maneuvers. I mean, the, the most common 
equalizing technique that most people are taught is like pinch your nose and blow. Uh, that's called the Valsalva uh, technique or maneuver. They're usually called like techniques or maneuvers, uh, I think based on whoever like discovered them. And yeah, pinch your nose and blow is fairly effective. It's really easy to teach which I think is why it tends to be the most common. Uh, but actually, it does have some downsides. Um, I think there's there's plenty of ways that you can like force things um, like mucus and stuff into your uh, eustachian tube, uh, which is obviously a bad thing. Um, so there are other methods. And uh, and if you dive like full face masks, uh, I, there are ways to block your nose in full face masks. But... I rarely get on with them that well, so I do tend to use uh, techniques that don't involve pinching your nose uh, because, of course, you can't reach your nose. It's, it's underneath a mask. Um, there's there's VTO, um, which full name is Voluntary Tubal Opening. Um, I describe it as a yawn where... Oh, I'm going to yawn a lot through this, so I apologise if I make you yawn. Um you kind of push your bottom jaw forwards a bit as if you're going to yawn and you tense uh, like your uh, your jaw and uh, what is it your uh, your soft palate that kind of stretches uh, that area and yeah that that helps to uh, to equalize and if you do it right you can kind of do it all the way down sometimes i need to pause um, just to give it a chance to uh, to equalize or you know, kind of do a bit of a, a wiggly jaw but yeah that's that's how I typically um, equalize. Um, yeah, you've got Valsalva, VTO, uh, Toynbee, which is pinch your nose and swallow. Um, but of course, that involves pinching your nose. Uh, Frenzel, again, pinch your nose, uh, but you kind of make a K sound, which like lifts the back of your tongue up to the roof of your mouth, and that helps to equalize your ears. Uh, there's Lowry which is a combination of Valsalva and Toynbee. So you're pinching your nose, you're blowing, but you're also swallowing. And it's all just to move all of the um, uh, all of the tissues and stuff in like the back of your, um, your throat to open up that eustachian tube. Uh, Edmund's maneuver, which is Valsalva and VTO. So you're yawning, but you're also pinching your nose. Um, but yeah... Uh, I don't know what wheeling your jaw from side to side. I presume there's a name, a proper name for it. But yeah, I tend to do the yawn, but also uh, like wiggle my jaw from side to side. Touch wood, that always works for me. Um, it, it just takes a little bit of practice. And if I'm diving a half mask, uh, yeah, a standard like scuba mask, uh, then yeah, you, you can just pinch your nose and uh, and do it all together. But uh, yeah, voluntary tubal opening is probably your best bet. Uh, the next one, cool street, that's not a name. Uh, A-S-D-F-Q-E-W-R. Yeah, that's, uh, I apologize if that is your name. Um, but it, it doesn't look like it could be. Uh, anyway, they say, would an inflator with a forced exhaust button, such as the SAS AACS or the TUSA APA, be worth the cost? Uh, of course, the Aqualung i3 or Mara's air trim looks nice, but it seems to me that exhaust from the dump valve on the right shoulder or the valve that pulls the inflator hose would be sufficient. I would like to know uh, the appeal as the overhaul price would be about twice as much. I, I think I would opt for a regular power inflator in the current situation. 
Yeah, these are pretty rare. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't have a full uh, like knowledge of them because I, I haven't looked into them that much. It's never been a, um, a problem that needs solving, trying to dump gas faster uh, in my eyes. And they were like pneumatically, I think, pneumatically designed inflators so that you could push a, a certain button to dump gas faster from your BCD. And I could never really see the benefits of it. One, it's, it was never that much of an issue for me personally to be able to dump gas any faster than your yeah, traditional dump valves. Uh, I mean, there, there were, what, two instances where you need to dump gas like in a hurry. Uh, I mean, arguably at the surface when you start the dive. Um, I mean, you don't really need to dump gas fast when you're uh, when you're starting the dive. You do want a controlled descent. Um, and if you're having a, a runaway ascent, that's going to be the main one to uh, to dump gas faster than uh, than it's expanding or being inflated. So um, no, it's it's never really been that much of an issue for me, which is probably why they're not more prevalent. Um, these um, like turbo dump valves, as it were. So um, no, I, I don't think it's it's worth uh, worth it. And the the main thing is, is that you don't see them on most other like brands or bcds so um no I, I wouldn't worry about it too much crazy gecko says hi mark thanks for all of your advice i really appreciate the series you are welcome uh, i have a question regarding the mara's first stages uh, mara's offers these upgrade kits the twin balanced piston for certain regulators yes uh, they claim to improve the cold water performance and overall performance what are your thoughts on these i'm using a 52x first stage and wondering if the upgrade kit would be worth the money yeah, um, yeah. Mares offer the uh, TBP uh, twin balance piston uh, upgrades. Some sometimes they, um, depending on the regulator configuration, they have them fitted as standard. Um, other times, it's a uh, it's an upgrade kit that you can get for most of their. Um, I think it's just their diaphragm um, first stages, and it's like an extra cap. That goes uh, that screws onto the uh, the top or one end of your first stage, and it adds a piston as well as an environmental seal. So um, one of the things with uh, with Mara's regulators, especially the uh, the diaphragm regulators, is that they're often open to the elements, which isn't a huge issue with the diaphragm regulator because the diaphragm itself prevents a lot of the the like nasties and contaminants and uh, and the, the water from getting into certain chambers of the first stage however in very cold water environments if that freezes over because the first stage has a lot of gas running through it so it tends to get quite cold um, there is a chance that it can freeze up and if it does that it's uh, it interrupts the uh, the balancing of it because the, uh, the the water pressure around it can't push on that uh, on that diaphragm. So um, so you basically turn your first stage into an unbalanced regulator. Um, whereas if you, I mean, the easiest way to do it is just to have an environmental seal on the outside. Um, but 
if you fill it with air, then you don't get the uh, the benefits or as much of the benefit because air is compressible as the uh, of the balancing around you. So what Myers have done, um, there are, there are alternates uh, away. I've got a uh, a regulator and a uh, environmental um, like. Uh, seal kit that goes around it for for cold water diving and what you would do is you would fill it with like either a um uh, a gel or something that doesn't freeze or the cheaper version is alcohol uh, you just fill it with alcohol that doesn't freeze so that way you still get the um uh, the the pressure the uh, the ambient pressure to uh, to balance the first stage but to like to install it and to uninstall it to um, to service it can get quite messy. Uh, so it's a bit of a pain. So what um, uh, what Mars have done is they've created this extra chamber that a technician can fit to the top of your um, or replace a certain section in your uh, in your first stage has a piston built into it and then a an external environmental seal to prevent water and nasties from getting in and to transfer the um uh, the ambient pressure there's this little piston that just pushes on a um uh, or pushes against the uh, the spring on the uh, on the diaphragm so um yeah it's 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 a clever clever solution to that problem um if you're diving in temperatures like below 10 degrees celsius frequently yeah it is a nice upgrade uh it's not ridiculously expensive but it would be a good um like fail safe to help prevent your first stage from freezing up especially if you're diving on single cylinders i'd i'd use one on twins it's less of an issue because if you're in like a an out of air situation two divers breathing off of a single first stage you're increasing the airflow running through that first stage so you increase the chances of it freezing up whereas on twin sets you're using two separate first stages so you half the load um, in and out of air situations so less of an issue on twin sets but on single cylinders yeah it's it would definitely be a an upgrade that i would be considering Otherwise, that's it for the uh, the podcast. It's been a uh, pretty quiet um, week. It's gone pretty fast as well. Uh, I can't believe we're um, uh, we're well as I'm recording it. It's Thursday. Um, we're Thursday already. Um, we're, we're catching up to Christmas pretty quick. Remember to check out today's sponsor, ScoobPro.com. They've got the uh, the awesome uh, free Octo offer in quite a few regions now. Um, so if you're in the market for a new set of regulators, you can catch yourself a bargain. Uh, so head over to ScoobaPro.com. You can also check out our website, ScubaDiverMag.com, and, uh, and check out all our latest news articles. Uh, like and subscribe. Uh, wherever you're listening to this and um, thank you for listening everyone and of course safe diving